You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast. It is International Podcast Day today as we record this, and it's even our second birthday as well. So there's no excuse for us to not bring you a top quality podcast, is there? Despite that, it's just me and Dan Killick, but uh, he is back from a, a weekend by the sea. So uh, as all that, that fresh air, Daniel, you were perked up, ready to go as we sit here late on a Sunday night to record? It's tired me hours, actually. Is it? <laughs> I, had to have, yeah, I had to have a couple of hours sleep. During the day earlier on, although man. that might be me catching, catching up a little bit from a stag doing Barcelona the week before. That's it. Yeah, it's still a little bit horse, isn't it? Yeah, it did. It did what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Well, coming up on this episode, hopefully we'll be hearing a bit more about that if it's uh, if it's broadcastable. Uh, but what we'll definitely be doing is getting to the bottom of all the big issues from Welsh rugby. We've got the Welsh derbies to look forward to. Uh, we'll have a look at who might succeed Wayne Pivak as a Scarlets head coach. And we'll even have a look at the prickly subject of whether Johnny Sexton gets preferential treatment or not. Uh, before we get on the way, though, quick thank you to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. Head over to socoffeetrades.co.uk for not only great coffee, but you can also get merchandise cups and there's even reusable pods that you can get there. So do check it out. Fact or fiction is the first part of the show. Five statements. We debate whether they're true or false. Dan. Let's start with this one. Cardiff Blues should have five wins from five, fact or fiction? Fact. Yeah, Cardiff Blues, for me, um, they definitely should have got the first three wins, shouldn't they? And then, obviously, they've got got two wins now. Um, So, yeah, it could have been five from five. I think they... It's always difficult, isn't it, when you've got a new coach coming in and they've shown glimpses, they've played in part and then dropped off... Um, I still think they've made a few sort of funny, funny selections along mm. the way, and you could say that was that was evident this weekend really. With the, the bench made a massive impact when they when they came on. It I did, thought, didn't it? Yeah, it did. This, I mean, Lloyd Lloyd made a difference for me. 
Um, That's your stock fret. I reckon you could you go through. <laughs> you could go through any past edition from the last. I had two to mention it first of all, and you would have you'd have a Dan Killick soundbite that says Lloyd made a difference off the bench. Yeah, well I, done, I reckon, Lloyd. Yeah, more often than not, you would find that this is definitely you sticking up for your your Cowbridge brethren, isn't it? <laughs> he did, um, though, but he, he did. He played well. very well, actually. Corley Cook, yeah, yeah. Corley Cook played well, um, and the two boys in the front row, Dylan Lewis and um, Brad Thayer, I thought made a massive impact. To be yeah, fair, they did. Um, so yeah, they they they're starting to. It was a it was a peculiar game for them. It was it wasn't the greatest. Mm. Um, Anscombe had some lovely little touches, some lovely runs, but the just final pass didn't quite go to hand. So yeah, they're starting to build some momentum now. But yeah, five wins for me. You know, I don't think we would. It should have been there. It's interesting you mentioned the coach actually because Murph texted me in the week and said that. This was prior to that game, actually, that the Blues would have a hundred percent if Danny Wilson was still in charge. Kind of mm. uh, almost preempting, yeah. preempting this question for me. Do you think that's what it comes down to? Yeah, I do. I think you can just see there's it's a little bit of rustiness um, in every in every single one of the games, mm. really, apart from apart from the Munster game, then, um, which which was yeah that was. That was quite some performance, wasn't it? It was. Do you, I mean, do you think this is it now? They turn the corner and, you know, they can look forward and they've kind of banished the ghosts of those first three games. I don't think, for Still me, they haven't much. fully turned the corner yet. Okay. They're, they're getting there, but it's not, it's not complete. I think um, and a lot of it's going to come down to the, you know, I think this weekend they lacked, they lacked some ball carriers. Um, they were a little bit light in the second row. I thought Rory Thornton, he got he got walloped every time mm. he had the ball. He looked light. Um, Earl played well, very well. Yeah, I think he's been absolutely superb <laughs> in the games he's played, actually. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's been fantastic. I thought Josh Turnbull put in a really good shift yeah. at eight. And yeah, it's difficult because he's going from second row to eight. and Not easy. I don't think that's an easy thing to do. And also, you're right, you really do miss Nick Williams when he doesn't play. Mm. Because of that, you know there would have been a bonus. There would have been a uh, four tries if uh, if Nick Williams had just because that front football. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're they're coming, but I don't think they're they're not they're not they haven't fully turned yet. One thing I thought did impress me actually, and he has done in the last two games was Anscombe's kind of clever kicking when they weren't necessarily getting front football. If they were starting to get a bit lateral, that's where he tried the little dink over the top to try and negate the defence and. I still think that was that was you know impressive outside half play, just to vary things up when it's not going your way. So I think things like that will kind of hold them in uh, hold them in good stead. He looked sharp, didn't he? Mm. And uh, you know attacking wise as well. And there was that lovely that lovely uh, run where he opened up the yeah. defence and then carved the moment. Didn't he? It was Thomas Williams on his on his if on, his, in, on yeah. his right side. That was a difficult one, wasn't it? Because he was running the complete opposite yeah, it was direction. Difficult. There was no way he could have seen that. He would just have to be like on a call. But um, he, he runs those lines really well, doesn't he, Thomas Williams? He's oh, always there yeah. on, in support. Remember, very much like Gareth Davis. What he needed was, you know, that Kevin Morgan. You know, when Kevin Morgan for Wales went in, through, in the Grand Slam, yeah, and he yeah. didn't look. Did he just yeah. obviously heard a call on his right hand yeah. side? Just, just, just popped it up. Yeah. It was one of those that was needed. But there were some really exciting passages in in the game. But then there was there was it was it was dull at times as well. Yeah. Um, Still question marks over the defence. Do you think? For the for the blue, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, it's not it's not it's not not there yet, um, and and to be fair to the cheaters, I thought their line speed was 
was a lot better than we've ever seen before from them. Because they don't you expect quick line speed from a team called the Cheetahs, isn't it? <laughs> really, you, you would, but they don't usually bring it, do they? Um, so yeah, the Blues, Blues struggled a little bit with that, mm. and and it took time to adapt. But then, if you don't have any um, so any big ball carriers, yeah. you're gonna struggle, aren't you? So they had to think differently, and it was a really, I think it was a good win, to be honest. Uh, you know, it's easy to say, oh, you know, it was a it was a poor game, and and to criticise the Blues, but. The Blues are tw- you know twenty one ten down. Do you know what I think? That's, it suff- yeah, that's not easy to come back from. Do you know what I think it suffered from? Was in the first half. I felt like the first twenty minutes, both sides had real intent to play, and it felt like a game that suffered from the officials. Really, I mean, George Clancy's oh. constantly with a tip. Like he watches more television than the cast of Gogglebox. He's just every minute he's going to the, he's going to the TMA and I, to be honest I, they got that Lilo call wrong he, t- he knocked that he on he did knock it on did and he? see his smile yeah he knew, I, he knew he? you know he knew. it's it's just very very bizarre yeah, how you can go there that. and don't and can't pick up on that it just yeah. looked pretty obvious to me yeah. and so yeah that was that I do think it suffered a little bit from a staccato offence yeah yeah fans, official, he was official getting event. some stick wasn't he from the fans <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was, but a good, at, so good atmosphere at the Arms Park. At yeah, the moment, look, I think. yeah, the drum was it's going. Sat, yeah, yeah, your uh, your beloved drum. It does. No, feel, I like it now. Love it. it. You've done a U-turn on it. Have you? Yeah. Fair enough. It does feel like it's changed, um, and it's certainly got kind of back to uh, back to its noisy days, which is which is definitely good to see. But and then obviously Derby's coming up, uh, which a very very important game away at the Dragons. You must next be a bit week. nervous there. Well, we're going to preview these in the third part of the show, so make sure you stay listening for that one. But yes, definitely feeling very, very nervous about that. Right, let's move on and let's have a look at the Ospreys now. Sean Edwards' influence is written all over the Ospreys' performances from this season, fact or fiction. You taking that or am I? Yeah, go on, I'll take this one. I think it is actually. I think they look tougher in defence. I think it's, it's got all the hallmarks of Sean Edwards. You know, we're talking about line speed yeah. with the Cheetahs and... That is very, very visible for, to me. I think when you know whoever they've been playing, with the exception of that game away at Munster, where they essentially sacrificed the game by sending over a, a you know very inexperienced kind of almost third string side. With the exception of that game, I think they've their defence has looked much more robust and has been quick off the line. Big difference from last year. Yeah, I think it is. And the other thing that's impressed me as well is they've mixed their tactics up a bit. So. Yeah, you know, you would expect with Sean Edwards, you've got the blitz and that to be very, very effective. But they also throw in the odds, the odd curveball, and they were really looking at, against Zebra to utilise the the choke tackle, and they did it to some, to some really good effect. And that's something that's something that impressed me. And I think again, that's Sean Edwards' canny ability to employ a game plan based on who you're playing. And noticing Achilles' heels in the in the opposition, you know, if you think back to, you think back to um, World Cup twenty eleven, that massive game against Ireland, quarter final, mm-hmm. Wales versus Ireland, and Ireland had performed the shake tackle in their defence really really well, and in order to negate that, Wales employed a, a tactic of getting to ground very very quickly and looking to to make it about a breakdown contest and, and about it being on the floor. So, you know, there's no one better, is there than than Edwards when he picks no. out these, these little points. Yeah. They just they, they just swing the game back towards the team that he's working and they're si- with. And they're simple things, really. They are, yeah. But it's those little 
those little nuances that I, I think he really does make a big difference. And it's it's really simple things as well, like discipline. You know what he's like for for discipline, and you know you've seen we've all seen those Lions DVDs of when Lions went over to South Africa and how the standards that he expects in a dressing room. Yeah, you're not going to cross Sean Edwards. You, you, you don't want to let him down, do you? I mean, no. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a quality, quality coach, isn't he? And wherever he's been, he's made a massive impact. So he's starting to show, isn't it, there? It definitely is. And obviously, you know, as you expect, I'll find a way to bring it back to the Dragons. <laughs> it, it does make it feel like an absolutely massive loss, not having, not having been able to secure him, as was widely rumoured throughout the summer that he was going to be coming in and helping the Dragons. And, you know, that is definitely something. We'll, we'll talk about the Dragons in a bit more detail. But the fact that I think you can look at the Ospreys, it's very much a fact for me. The fact that you can look at the Ospreys and see just how it's just that much tougher and more disciplined and more organised that they look by having Sean Edwards come in and help them. That That is, you know, they, they're almost your, your fundamentals of, of how to make a side more competitive. And, and generally speaking, it's worked for them. Do you think he's having a big impact on Sam Davis? One of the, I know he's got 17 points in the boot, didn't he? But it's yeah, I, it's an interesting one, Sam. I don't think he's found his. He's still not fully recovered his form. I mean, it's it's difficult because you know he's whatever it was, 17, 18 points that he that he scored, and that's kind of the headline. I still think that there is there's more to come, and I think it's another coach who's going to be able to get the best out of him, and I think it's it's Matt Sherritt. And working closely with Matt Sherritt is going to be crucial to, to Davis recovering his form. There was still just the odd thing, you know, where he's putting a, a kick over the he's putting a kick over the top, and it's almost a bit of a pre-prescribed one, and the fullbacks gobbled it up over the top. And there's just a few little things like that that make you think he's not back to where he was this time two years ago, and he was playing very very well. But it will come, you know. It's it's one of those positions where you mature, don't you? It's going to help with his confidence, isn't it? Getting set, getting getting 17 points from, yeah. from, from the boots. Because he had a run, didn't he, last year, where he, he, wasn't, he wasn't sort of scoring tries or, or, or putting in like great passing game, but he was, he was winning, winning, winning games with the boots. Mm. And then from there, he, tend, he, he was sort of built. So I think we'll, we'll, we'll you know, give it sort of a couple, a couple more games and we might start to see the, the Sam of old there. I think the, encur- the encouraging thing as well is we know he's going to get game time. And he knows that as well, yeah, doesn't he? He knows that. And unfortunately, because of the injury to, to Luke Price, which is a real shame, at the same time, it's something that, that does mean Sandoz is going to get a, a, run of, a run of form. And with a, a good functioning defence around him, the pack is starting to look at, yeah. back to its kind of... Like an Ospreys pack. An Ospreys pack, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think that's, that's going to play into Sam's hands. So, I, you know, I don't, think he's, I don't think he's there just yet, but... Um, yeah, he certainly it's showing great signs. To see. It's great, isn't it? Because we want him to be, well, we want him to be yeah. pushing and putting his hand up. He's some way off yet. Yeah, I think I think he's you know, and I, I'm fairly certain he'd he'd feel the same that he's you know starting to, to get back to to where he was. But he's still in flying half terms. Is is relatively young. I know he's played a lot of rugby, and it's different now because he's he, he's the number one choice. He's got to do it in the big games, and it'll be fascinating to see if he can do that. You know. Because generally speaking, the Ospreys have tended to favour bigger in those in those bigger games, bigger, hey. bigger, 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 and they won't have. They obviously they don't have they don't have that luxury anymore. And Sam is, is very much the choice, so uh, he's going to have to he's you know he's going to have to prove that. It'll be interesting when it comes to 
when it comes to those big games throughout the season. While we're on the Ospreys, mm. another one I wanted to mention to you was um, uh, Luke Morgan. Quite I, a lot of chat about him. I very nearly put this in as a fact or fiction, so I'll throw this one over to you, Dan. Actually, we'll add a little bonus fact or fiction yeah. there just for you. Luke Morgan shows, or the signing of Luke Morgan, and to a certain extent Sam Cross, shows that we should be scouring the seventh circuit for, for players. Fact or fiction? Yeah, fact. Fact. I, th- I, th- I mean, I think we are to a degree now more so than we ever than we ever did do. Yeah. Um, but they've got, yeah, their skill set is 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 it's different, isn't it? It is undoubtedly. And you feel as if you can move them around on the park. Um, they just yeah they just they just read the game in a different way. And I think now the game is more because it's so so structured that if you do if you are able to have something that, a, a little point of difference. It really shows, and you you do see that only with Sam Cross, and then and then Luke. He, he look, you know, he looks good, doesn't he? I think, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think the thing that's very interesting is your your gut instinct with sevens is to say, yeah, they're going to have great ball skills and they're going to be rapid. Another thing that I think is is really pre- prevalent in players who play a lot of sevens, they don't get turned over as much because you've always got to. There's always an opportunity to be isolated. Yeah, you've so got to look it, back and find exactly. You've got to look back, buy yourself that extra yard to wait until your your teammates come there. Also, you're gonna to have to do a bit of clearing out yourself. So, I have to say, you know, in terms of a spectacle, I'm not a sevens fan at all. Outside of you know, like the the Olympics or the the sevens World Cup, I show very little interest in the sevens circuit. However, it clearly, I, I think, has there is a benefit to to players going away and and playing a bit of sevens because it does. It does develop your game in a in a different environment. Yeah, there is definitely a thing within rugby, isn't it? That you're either a you're a second specialist, and fifteens is is yeah. very different. But I think that's starting to change now. Um, but yeah, he looks he looks good. Yeah, he does and, look good. You know, the Ospreys. We've said they they needed needed pacey pacey wingers, and he's one of them. He certainly is. Uh, yeah, he's he's settled in there very well, hasn't he? And good start of the season form. Right, number three. I suppose four if you include that little bonus one. Kieran Crowley would be a great replacement for Wayne Pivak at the Scarlet's Fact or Fiction. So this is a story that is running in Wales Online at the moment, courtesy of our friend of the podcast, Steph Thomas. Article that was run uh, this weekend. What are your thoughts on that then, Dan? Fact or Fiction? Yeah, for me, fact. I think he's um, he's done an unbelievable job, isn't he, currently where he is? And um, and you can take that back there to Conor O'Shea as well, can't you? What he's building is pretty special. For me, he'd be a he'd be a really good replacement. I think I know um, Feeney's being looked at as well, isn't he, of the Stormers? Mm. Um, but Kieran Crowley, I, he's anybody anybody that works with him says the guy is outstanding. Um, Pivak likes him as well, doesn't he? And I think that's a really nice touch that Pivak's actually looking to uh, to, to to sort of make sure that the Scarlets are in a good place and a safe place because ultimately. That's what's going to benefit him as well with being the Welsh coach, isn't it? Of course, we it need, is. We need the, the regions to be as strong as possible, not sort of, you know, goodbye, goodbye, the Scarlets, and uh, I'm off to Wales. One would it's imagine. All linked in. Also, that he's going to take the blueprint of the Scarlets over to Wales with him. We're expecting yeah. Stephen Jones to follow him. You would expect a large amount of those, but you know, at the moment, there's a there's a hell of a lot of Scarlets who would be in Wales starting 15 and starting 23. Regardless, yeah. so when you drop him into the mix, you'd expect that to, to continue. Yeah. So it's in his own interest to, to carry on 
the success. Yeah, the last thing he wants, isn't it, is somebody <laughs> taking over this, this playing bish bash bosh rugby. Well, that was going to be my next question, actually. Is Benetton have improved massively? They're a very, very tough team. They're competitive wherever they go. You know, they gave, gave Edinburgh another scare this weekend. But they perhaps not, you know, they don't play rugby in the, the same vein as the Scarlets. Do you think that that is a, a concern and perhaps they should be looking at a head coach with a, you know, I suppose, a bit more of a, a running rugby blueprint? I think he's playing to to his strengths there, really. Um, you know, they're, they're, if they could play the Scarlet's way, I think they probably, I think he probably would want to. But they have, you know, they've got some dangerous guys, some dangerous outside backs now, haven't they? Um, especially a wing, a full back and, they're just. I, I think he's just using. He's, he's doing. He's doing what he has to do. They can't. They can't start throwing it about all over the shop. Um, but he's got that in his locker. I think that he'd, he'd want to go that route. So for me, he's just judging it perfectly, and he's making them into a really, really difficult, difficult outfit and a quality outfit, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I'd agree. Nobody would. Nobody would want to play them. I mean, they're they're not easy. No, we've seen that throughout the the whole of the season. It's just how. How competitive they are, and how physical and tough, tough side to beat. And you know, I suppose that's the that's the other thing about the Scarlets that, we, that we've mentioned. Is the Scarlets have always been renowned for playing attractive rugby, even when it's not been that successful going going back a few years. But what we've been impressed by, in particularly the last eighteen months, is how tough they've got up front. Yeah, and, that pack is, and it's built on a, a really tough pack. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Do you think you would be? Good replacement. Yeah, I think that you think you hit the nail on the head there. That with Pivak being heavily involved, he's going to know what what makes a what makes a good coach. And you're probably right that Crowley is playing to the to the tools to what he's, he's got. got. Yeah. And when he's you know, I don't think you'd you know you'd suddenly expect Reese Patchell to just start you know trucking it up the middle now all of a sudden. So yeah, I think I think he he could well be a, a shrewd. Appointment and certainly he's done a he's done a fantastic job at Benetton. Yeah, the Scars fans must be uh, delighted when they've heard that Pivac will be will be making sure that everything will be a okay. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think you're absolutely right there. So, still to come on this episode, we've got the last two points on fact or fiction, including a look at Johnny Sexton's treatment from referees and uh, a bit of an assessment of the the Pro 14 as a league as a whole. Then we've also got listeners' questions, a couple of those have come in, and finally, in the last part of the show, we'll be previewing those massive Welsh derbies next weekend in the Pro 14. So all of that to come very, very shortly. Two to go on Fact or Fiction, Dan. And the next one is this. Ross Moriarty is right. Johnny Sexton does get preferential treatment from referees. Fact or Fiction? Fact. Yeah? Yeah. Only because it's only because it's Sexton. Um, I think he does get a bit of preferential treatment. Yeah, um, I like the fact that Moriarty sort of spiced that up a bit. It's typical him, isn't it? It is. You wonder whether he's just he's just throwing it out there just to just to wind things up a bit. I love it. I do as well. It's <laughs> something that in an age where you get so many kind of just media sound bites and a lot of press conferences, you just hear the same answers over and over again. It's quite good to hear. Yeah. You know, him kind of come out and throw uh, throw the odd opinion out there, like he did with the the chokehold thing in in Argentina, and I, I think it's a, it just makes the game a bit more interesting. We've got plenty of big opinions out there. 
Yeah, it does. And they and the fact that they know each other a little bit as well, don't they? Um, I, there's a little bit of something in it though, because it is Sexton. I think he does get away with certain things. He doesn't like it when it goes against when it when it goes against him. He's very very petulant. Um, he's obviously an incredible player, mm. but he's got a hell of a temper on him, isn't he? If it doesn't go his way, he sulks. Um, I like it. Can we have? Can we see more of this, please, Ross? <laughs> <laughs> Every week, can you call him out on something? <laughs> yeah, call out someone on something. Go back to go back to Sexton though, and if we look at that yellow card that he picked up, that Moriarty picked up for the Dragons away in that that hammering at Leinster, you know, it's, you know the Dragons weren't going to get anything out of that game anyway. But it was something of a turning point because when you go down to to fourteen yeah. against them, is the more important issue the fact that he doesn't need to put in the little dig and then yeah, he stays yeah. on the pitch. Is that the more important thing or is, or has he got a point in saying that, you know, things like that are making the game a bit softer? He's done a bit of a Mourinho, isn't he? Deflecting, deflecting stuff away from him. Um, I, um, he doesn't need to do those things, does he, mm. Moriarty? I don't, I don't, I don't know why. Uh, it's sort would, of, we, would we be having the same conversation if he'd have done it in a game against Ireland for Wales, and he got Simbin, and we lost the game as a result, or right. you know we'd we'd gone on to lose the game. Would we be kind of sat here in that that same vein? It's all very well a Dragons game that they were going to lose anyway. Yeah, no, we'd be we'd be very you'd be very frustrated, wouldn't you? And it, it is it is a slight con- it is a concern because you know that is is I suppose if he does he switch off does he does he just want to have a little pop of people from time to time? He's got it in him, isn't he? Always just to, he's a little bit loose at times. Um, Gatlin's tended to sort of keep him under control, but a lot, of, a lot of other uh, sides haven't been able to, have they? He's he's, he's been loose, so it is a concern. Um, I he, he, could, he needs going to have to cut it out, isn't he? Because there's so much pre- there's so much pressure now in the in the back row there. That um, will it go against him? I don't think it massively will because no. Gatlin knows. Knows how to handle him, and he just thinks, oh, he's just he, he just does it when he wants to." And I think he can, I think he can knock it off as quickly as it comes. Personally, what do you think? You might be right. I'm not sure he necessarily does that same thing in a game against Ireland. It was a little bit of a cheap shot. I mean, it was I, look, two years ago. It's not even a penalty, is it? But the the world that we live in now, it is. And it's as simple it, it as that. It wasn't. Yeah. You know, it's, it was a penalty. Yeah, it's a penalty. Is it a yellow card? No, not in my eyes. But I don't make the rules, so we always say this: the player player safety is the most important thing. I don't think it was a particularly dangerous thing at all. It was just a bit of a bit of niggle. But as we've said, if that happens in a big game, then it is a completely different scenario, and and it's it's more difficult. I think you're right to a certain degree that he's just trying to deflect a little bit of attention away from uh, away from the fact that it was his kind of his misdemeanor but to come back to the the original point I think yeah the Sexton probably does get a bit of a bit of uh, preferential treatment. Yeah, both saying it. Yeah. There we go. Fine. All right, last one then Dan. The heavy squad rotation that Pro 14 sides <laughs> How do I put this? Right, the heavy, the heavy squad rotation of Pro 14 sides means that it will never be as attractive a product as the English Premiership. Did I write that one? <laughs> I, I can't read my own writing now. I've, I've gone so completely the other way. So where am I? Yeah. Um, 
Hang on, let me. So it's never so, going to be. As... Yeah, so sides rotating their squads as heavily as they do, and I'm thinking in particular sending weak sides on away oh, games that they don't particularly expect to win means that it's always going to be an inferior league to the to the English Premiership, where you you can't really afford to do that because you know you've got, you know you've got the the looming relegation question marks and, yeah. and things like that. Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's fact. Um, I guess it's fact, really, isn't it? I mean, we're we're seeing it more, and more we've probably seen it more and more this season, aren't we? Than than we ever have done within the Pro Fourteen. Um, I'm not sure we're seeing it as much as we ever have done because I think you do have now at least you know if you go back you go back even five years and you basically everyone was guaranteed getting into getting into the the Heineken Cup as was you know you didn't even need to finish anywhere particularly in the league you just needed to be in the top three out of your country and you know that definitely damaged the league's reputation I think it's good that that's been corrected you know this kind of conference setup. I don't think is ideal in terms of in terms of making it easy for people to to dip in the the relegation thing. I do think adds a certain a certain element to to the Premiership because you you do have something to play for at the, the bottom end of the table, and it does make every game competitive. And yeah, I, I've no I know what you mean because I do think it's creeping back into back into the yeah. league. And you you are seeing sides essentially prepared to to sacrifice games, and it doesn't help matters at all. I don't think. No, it, no, it doesn't. I mean, it's just the the squads, are, mm. the squads in the in the Pro Fourteen, as you know, even the strongest of squad is is still light, isn't it? In well, I don't think Leinster's would be light. Yeah, it's part. I don't think Munster's is light. Well, even Munster though, in air, in you know, I mean Leinster's. Yeah, it's just mm. a different different. They're, they're completely at the other end. The swing is massive. Um, okay, take Leinster out of it, and maybe Munster. But a lot of the other sides, they're light, aren't they, all over? So it's 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 almost it's almost not really fair, is it? Um, and they've got to. I suppose the, one of the, a lot of people are saying at the moment, aren't they, that so early on in the league, why you know why are, I suppose why did the you know why did the Ospreys send over that mm. side? Um, and then the Blues, you could say as well. You know, this weekend, why? You know, why did they play? Why did they play that side um, when there were players that they could they could have, they could have had a slightly different side in there? Um, and it's not just about playing. It's not just about the the, the sort of time um, or the early part of the season, is it? It's just you need to you need to look at the next three games ahead and making sure that those players are actually mm. going to be well rested. Not that they're you know, not that they're burning out to this early point. It's quite com- it's quite difficult, isn't it? There's there's more to it than 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 just a straightforward sort of you know throwing throwing you know throwing games away or they're trying like like you're trying to pick up a win or pick up a pick up a point here and there. Um, I think, but the coaches aren't always going to get it right. No, it's not I th- easy. I mean, I think that Ospreys game mm-hmm. they sent over a they sent over a, a weak side. I think there's they there are ways, like you say, of managing it over three course game. But Ospreys fans are probably looking at it now and going, "Well, hang on a minute. We've won all the. We've, yeah. We could still have sent a strong side over there and, and walked away with nothing, and then not had this same squad to pick from when we go into the derbies next weekend. So it. it is difficult. We've got three what <clears throat> game just one derby now, and the game after that. So it could be three. You know, could it be three wins? You know, or could it, could there have been a number of injuries picked up in 
picked up in that game. You, you don't know, do you? But it's no, not easy. Don't. What I'm trying to say is it's not an easy one, is it? No, it's not an easy one, but I do think it damages the, the, the credibility of the league, which it does, has... It? It, the credibility of the league has improved in the last couple of years, definitely, and I think it is moving in the do right direction. Do you think it's direction. getting better? Yeah, I do. And you know, I've been very critical of, of the league, and I just don't... There's certain things it doesn't help, and if you look at it when it goes to the, to the Welsh setup. How many times have you seen that Gatland has had to, in inverted commas, beast the players for five days in training because they haven't had that that level of intensity on a regular basis in the league? And things like this don't don't help. So, yeah, I think it does damage it. It'd be very interesting to see what happens if another two sides join the league next year, as has been widely reported. I mean, imagine, again, they're just going to drop one into each conference. But, I don't know... It, there comes a point where I do think they, they're going to have to have a look at it as if this league is going to grow and, and take the next step into competing with uh, competing with the, the English Prem as a inverted commas product, then you know this is probably something that's got to be addressed. Yeah. Well, we we shall we, we shall. shall. Right, a couple of questions from listeners. If you have any opinions on any of the stuff we've discussed in this issue or you want us to talk about anything in particular, then make sure you drop us a line on Twitter at Attacking Scrum. You can do the same on Facebook as part of our Facebook page or join our Facebook group, which is simply called Wales Rugby Fans. And also, if you want to keep up to date with all the latest news, then you can do that on Instagram as well, if that's your bag. And... uh, just follow us there, Welsh Rugby Attacking Scrum. So this one's coming from Greg, regular contributor. He says, should Dragon's performance be seen as a positive for making it tight and competitive, or should they be disappointed for not coming away with something? I suppose this ties into what we've just been discussing there, really. Yeah. Obviously, some heavy squad rotation went on, went on as part of that game. I'm personally of the opinion that they should be disappointed, really. Because I think, yes, they did well to make it tight, but you've got to judge every you got to judge every game on its uh, every game on its merits. And looking at that game, when the wind started kicking up, you had Glasgow giving away. You know they they couldn't really control the control the line out. They gave away a, they gave away a penalty, which the Dragons kicked to touch, and then went long on the line out themselves. And you just think those you know, simple things like Base, that, basic they're stuff. basics and, and bits of game management that you've got to get right, regardless of regardless of what squad you've taken up there. So I think if there's something on the table, then you should be you should be disappointed. You know, we, we can't sit here just making excuses the whole time for the Dragons. It's, it is time for them to to really start improving this year. And if they'd have walked away from that with a bon- with a losing bonus point. Which could have happened. Which could have happened. Should've. Yeah. Really? Could well, yeah. I, I think I, I don't think it's unreasonable to uh, you know to say that, that that was there for, for grabs and admittedly some wayward kicking off the tee from Glasgow meant that that was the case. But if these opportunities arise, they're the things you, I think you've got to close out. And if you had picked up a losing bonus point away at Glasgow, who are now top of the conference, it's um, it then gives you massive confidence going into the going into the derby. So personally, I think I think they should be disappointed not coming away with something. On the flip side, the defence was said to be a lot better. It was a lot better, certainly noticeably. Yeah, I would say that. Which again is encouraging, certainly, because it had to be. It was it led by any, any, anyone in particular, did you think, or just a collective? I think probably a collective. I thought Adam Warren was excellent in defence and attack. He's been, he, he's 
been fantastic. He's I think. a good player, isn't he? Yeah, and I think he's he's made that jersey his own, really. I think even when Tyler Morgan gets fit again, he's going to have to fight to to wrestle that back. So, and again, we know what a pivotal a pivotal kind of position thirteen is for defence. The back row again were were very impressive. So, yeah, I think I think you know it was more a team effort than than anything than anything else. Um, but yeah. Don't know. For me, I just think you've you've got to, you've got to play each game as it's out there. Same as we've said for for Cardiff Blues not taking those those three wins when they're in front. If you're in those positions, I think you've got to close them out. And for Dragons, I think they they should be a bit disappointed with not coming away with something after it. Yeah, after totally it led, led that way. Okay, second question has come from Pete Harris and relates to the uh, Autumn Internationals. So, should Gatland's Autumn squad be building towards Rugby World Cup or concentrating on getting four wins? Or indeed both. It's a little bit of both, really, isn't it? It's, you've got to. For me, we've got to be looking at the World Cup. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, confidence comes from mm. winning, doesn't it? So it, you, it, it's a it's a balancing act. Um, you know, we got well, we got Scotland, Australia, South Africa, and uh, Tonga, isn't it as well? So we we you know we've got to I, for me we've got to be looking at. We've got to be looking at minimum three wins there, but four for the you first know, for the first time in four wins. A very very long time. You could look at that and say four wins isn't unthinkable. I think it very much hinges on what side South Africa bring over. Yeah, good point. But Australia have had their fair share of of troubles and, and hidings we, this season. We can't beat them, can we? But we seem to have this this yeah this ten year long. Who do against them? But yeah, no, look, I think there's. We've got to put that to bed as well mm. this autumn. Yeah, I, I think it's about trying out a few combinations, though. I, I think the, the, the more important thing is Rugby World Cup. If we were to beat Australia here and lose to them in, in lose to them in Japan, then this win is forgotten instantly. However, what better way to build some confidence and go into that game having? Broken the you know broken the jinx against them, so and you've, got, you've got to be targeting them. They're, they're test matches, so I don't think it's it's one for for throwing in you know loads and loads of new names. But I think a few different combinations yeah, to try. There's out. There's a few combos we need to try. Mm. We need to that now is the time to do it, isn't it? Yeah. We're not going to have you haven't got a chance. We're not going to have another chance. So yeah, it's all about the World Cup, isn't it? But they kind of they they're obviously linked, aren't they? Mm. They're obviously linked. We got we got we got to get some wins. You know, we, if we don't win any of those, it's going to be. Very no confidence going into Six yeah. Nations then, is there? Absolutely right. Final part of the show, any other business? And we've got two mouth-watering Welsh derbies to preview. Always get excited when these games turn, turn up, don't we? You know, yeah, as, as, much, as much as we've just been kind of bemoaning the odd, uh, the odd squad rotation here and there. Well, the sides themselves, they'll be, loving, they'll be loving this week in training, won't they? You know, uh, but, you know all the sides will be, will be raring to get out and and stick one, you know, get one over on the other side, really. They will. Right, in, in terms of previewing this, rather than just go for an out-and-out prediction, what we're going to do, Dan, is we'll each take a side, and we will name a key man from each team, what your game plan would be if you were the head coach, and then we'll get a prediction for the result also. So first up is Scarlets versus Ospreys in Llanetli. Which side do you want to take there? I'll take the Scarlets. Then. Okay, all right. You are the Scarlets. Who is uh, who is the who is the 
Who's the key man for that team? Key man for me, mm. after this week's performance, is Jonathan. Jesus, he was back, wasn't Good he, in a, with a bang? Yeah, I mean, 104 metres made, two tries, it, you know, didn't miss any tackles. How he just comes back in and looks that good. I mean, we know he's an absolutely quality player, but he, he's he's just incredible, isn't he? So in this game, it's gonna for me, it's gonna it's gonna be uh, a lot of me resting on him really. Mm. Um, he's gonna be the key man. Yeah, I, I think I said I said a massive, massively good call there. Interesting to see who they will go for at seven. I'll be intrigued to see that one. I thought uh, mm. young Dan Davis went very well this weekend. But it's a different, it's a different this league a diff- when you go uh, when you go yeah. up against presumably Tipperick, the, you know, rather than uh, rather than playing against. Um, That's a mouthwatering, way, isn't it, Tipperick? Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see whether they do go with him, who's you know very much a, a natural seven, or they they have a look at some of those other players in the in the back row. Uh, right, key man for the Ospreys. Oh, God, it, just whenever you look at a big Ospreys game, it is tempting now to to go. It's either Alan Wynne Jones or Justin Tipperick, and. I'm tempted to say the same again. Yeah, yeah. It's look, just big games. Alan Wynne Jones. He cliche after cliche after cliche, but leads from the front. If he plays well, they as a team tend to play well, and this is a big game. In that dressing room, he's exactly the kind of player who's going to be getting you fired up for this. And you know when he goes out, when he goes out and delivers. I'm almost talking myself out of this because I'm going, well, it's just a given that he's a key man. So, look, he, he will be the key man for them. But another player there's I'd like someone, to throw into the someone popping in. I was yeah. impressed with Owen Watkin this weekend. Yeah. I thought he played well. You know, I, you know I'm a big fan of that. Well, there's that the centre clash. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see that battle in the centre. Yeah, I can't exactly wait for like that. you said. Well, the t- 10, for me, 10, 12 and 13. Yeah. What's going on on both sides there is going to be, going to be great. This is going to be a belter. Mm. Isn't it absolute corker? Because Ospreys will fancy it. I don't think they'll really be going there for 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 a win. All right, let's have a look at the, let's have a look at the game plan then. If you're Scarlet's coach, nothing changes here, or uh, no? I think yeah, I think the Scarlet's need to just go out and do what they you know, do do how they always play. You know, win. They'll be they'll be looking to smash it up front, be hard, good set piece, and then when it's on, fling it fling fling it wide. But to to be fair, that's. You know the Ospreys can if they get it right they can they can do that as well can't they so yeah they it, can I I don't expect them to I think, I think again it's going to be really trying to be a kicking battle and Sam Davis kicking it Sam Davis looking to to kick and and you're going to have to you're going to have to execute that well you're going to have to turn the back three and because you don't want to be kicking you don't want to be kicking loose to them the thing is when regardless he, when he's confident it. that left boot of his mm. it is it, it can be mercurial can't it so I don't know I think he, he could be in for a big big game Sam Davis alright prediction then oh. I think it's going to be a tight one mm. this I'm going to go I'm going to go Scarlet's by five ok I was going to go Scarlet's by four yeah yeah, oh, yeah, yeah it's yeah. definitely a tight one and I really can't wait yeah yeah this is 3pm strange yeah, kick off time well yeah you, it's it's like days days of old, isn't it? Yeah. Having a having a nice uh, three pm kickoff on a Saturday, but yeah, that's uh, that's one to clear the diary for because that is going to be an excellent game, right? And that is followed by Dragons versus Cardiff Blues. Which side do you want to take here? 
I'll tell you the, the Cardiff Blues. Yeah, don't blame you. Right, key man. <laughs> well, I'll tell you the Dragons for you. So, key man for me is going to be um, Anscombe. Mm-hmm. He's... He's really, he's really starting to look dangerous. I think he can, he can, he can cause some real threats um, with ball in hand and, and from the, you know, from kicking as well. Um, if they can just get that final pass to go to hand, I could, I could see them, op- I could see him opening up, open up the dragons. Um, well, quite nicely if you're mm. a Cardiff Blues fan, or, or badly if you're on your side. But he's going to be key. Um, but on the if I can flip it onto the Dragons mm. now, they this is everything for the Dragons, isn't it? It's an absolutely massive game. It's a cup final, if you ask me. It is, isn't it? And if if the Dragons can't get up for this one, um, I do something within me thinks that the, the Dragons could can, can, could get a win here. It, it have to really. That's the, I think that's yeah, why it's I'm massive. Thinking. You know, if you're targeting home games, it's all very well. You know, the the draw or the computer fixture list or whatever, however it works, has been kind to the Dragons. And their home games, you know, Benetton came and, and comprehensively outplayed them. Then there was an unconvincing win, win over the Kings and then a win over Zebra. So, you know, they realistically, you'd be looking at those as we all said before the start of the season, they, they were winnable fixtures. Now, this is, this is really where your season starts in earnest. It's going to be a packed house down there, local rivals, this is, and who have you know discovered their own form? These are the games you're going to have to win. If you you know if you're showing signs of improving, but if they do win it, it's a massive. Yeah. It, How would you play it then? How would you play it if you were the, if you were Jackman? Well, I think you've you've got to win it. You've got to win the battle up front. Yeah, it's but as they haven't. As that. Dragons haven't looked um, haven't looked as, as sort of hard and, uh, as, as you would expect, have they? Up no, front, up front. You know they've they've and the Blues, to be fair, have. have you know, the set piece has gone has gone well, hasn't it? Pack's gone well. Well, at time, I suppose it's, it's stopping. It's, it's been a bit. It's dependent on the. It's dependent. Really it's dependent on who the, they pick. On the, who they pick. But if they get yeah, they're going they're going to pick this one right, aren't they? So it's going to be, yeah. They gonna, so you reckon keep it tight? Uh, you're going to have to. I mean, look, the backs have not fired anywhere near close yeah, enough to. Enough, no, and I don't think I, I don't think he knows who his who his best outside half is at the moment, and that in itself is a worry. If I'm honest, I've been a bit disappointed with Rodri Williams. I don't know whether it's down to him or the game plan, but certainly the Zebra game, there was a lot of box kicking that didn't really come off for me. And actually, I've been more impressed with Tavis well, Tavis, he went well, didn't he? Yeah, I thought he played well. and you yeah, know, Good for you people saying, you know, give him the start. Mm, I, on form, I'd pick him personally. Um, but, you know, Rodri Williams is a class player. And, yeah, you know, it might well have been the game plan. But I, I think you have to keep it tight to a certain degree. Um, I just don't. I don't think there's. We've seen enough from the backs to suggest that that you're going to be able to fling it around a bit. Aside from that moment of brilliance from Jordan Williams, and since then, I think we've kind of been sat there just expecting more brilliance from him. You know, every time he got the ball against Zebra, people wanted him yeah. to run, and actually played quite a good kicking game from fullback mm-hmm. at that point. This weekend, it kind of looked like the only way we were going to score was off a mistake, which we did, or. Um, Indeed, just a bit of brilliance from Jordan Williams, but you know that that then presents an over reliance on him. So yeah, I think you have to keep it. To that's me. why for me, Anscombe's going to be absolutely key because because I think um, Cardiff Blues will be looking to keep the ball in play, mm. make the Dragons you know run it. I think they'll they'll then make errors, and if they if they're going to try and keep it tight, which we think they probably will mm. do, 
the, the, the Blues will make it very difficult for them to do that. Um, it's going to be very, very hard for them. Very, very hard. The crowd, the crowd's going to play a massive part in the second half. They really, really wind it up and make it, uh, make it like it, you know, like we know it can be. be. Yeah. Prediction. I, I can't. I, I think the Blues will win. Mm. Um, I think it'll probably be by twelve points. Hmm. Uh, I'd love to be a bit more optimistic, but I can't see past the Blues. You know, just based on form at the moment, I can't see past a, a Blues win. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be a bit tighter and just go Blues by ten. So not a, yeah, not a, a massive improvement there. But yeah, like I say, for me, it's a it's a cup final game. Yeah. Must win, and the pressure starts to build again. If uh, you can't win these kind of games at home, it's another one though, which should be a belter. Should be a belter, and we've got all of this to look forward to. We'll of course be reviewing these on next week's show, and we'll be looking ahead to the Heineken Cup and the the Challenge Cup, which is only around the corner. It's come around, isn't it? Also, so yeah, very uh, very exciting things to look up. And you know, straight after that, we've got the Autumn Internationals. So. So much to look forward to on this season's The Tackling Scrum podcast. If you have enjoyed this, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you do that, we'll make sure we give you a shout-out. And again, big thanks to our sponsors at socoffeetrades.co.uk. More rugby chat from us next week. We'll be back to talk to you then. Podcast Network.